0: hey guys it's ryan alford host of the radical company podcast it is podcast friday here at radical rainy radical i should call it i think we've had a uh, hundred inches of rain this year <laughs> or last year and coming in uh as the p- parking lots flooded and i'm looking out there and trying not to be depressed in the new year but uh Anyway, I'm really excited about today's episode. I'm joined by Matt Snipes. Matt, going, excited Ryan? to have you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Matt is the host of the Self-Made Podcast. Uh, been doing that for about a year. I've been following Matt's content lately. And Matt McElveen, who works here at Radical, pointed me to Matt and was like, we need to get together. And I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, likewise, man. So, uh, yeah, I, um, Matt, I, let's just start from the top you know a lot of people um that listen to our podcast consume a lot of other podcasts would love to just start straight down the path of maybe a little bit of your background and then kind of what got you into the podcast scene um i know we're both kind of local boys Mm -hmm. uh a lot of people see a lot of my content think i'm not from here but in green vegas right right. (laughs) but uh we were just sharing stories with uh, mutual family and friends back in the past. But uh, give everyone a little bit of your background, uh, what led you to kind of starting the podcast. I know we're going to get down some of the apparel stuff, business stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we try to just blend in, you know, the marketing aspect um, of people that we have on. But let's just talk about a little bit of your background and uh, what you've been up to.
1: Yeah. So I knew from an early age that uh, I didn't want to work what's, quote, unquote, a normal job. And that's just because it didn't seem fun to me. Just like with school, you know, I did really well in school when I applied myself. But as I got older, I mean, I had four wheelers and dirt bikes and started getting into girls. I'm like, this is way more interesting. So it's hard to focus on school. I'm like, why would I do that when I could focus on these, these things that are a little more fun? So that kind of led me down a different path of I always worked what what you would call a regular job, but was always seeking something else. And uh, growing up riding motorcycles, I was big into the motocross scene. And uh, I was like, that would be a fun job. That would be cool. Seems like a lot of perks. So all of that industry is in Southern California. So I took the long way around figuring out how to get to Southern California but I finally did get there. Um, I landed a job with one of the bigger companies, Hart & Huntington, owned by Kerry Hart, um, Pink's husband. Some yep. people call him Mr. Pink. <laughs> he hates that. It's not, he may hate
0: it, but it's not such a bad gig, <laughs> yeah, is it? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, no, It's it's not bad at all. So... That kind of threw me into the mix of the action sports world. So I was able to meet a lot of other very influential people and people that when I grew up, I was watching on TV, you know, buying their signature bikes, different things like that. They had become friends. And then I had decided that these people are, are just as pumped to be in that situation as, as you, would, you would be if you had gotten that opportunity yourself. Like they were grateful, you know, that they were in that position so that really inspired me. I'm like they say don't meet your heroes. You'll be disappointed. I was very fortunate that mine went the complete opposite. All of my heroes were became heroes outside. You know, they they became heroes in life, you know. They were they were good family men. They were just good at doing things with their, you know, their money, yeah. doing things in their community. So I was like that's that kind of just always sat in the back of my head how they they did things like that. And then getting into podcasting, I had always listening to uh listened to the Joe Rogan podcast probably man, probably for seven years now. So it was almost brand new when I started. And I noticed after a year or two that as crazy as some of the things they talked about, I was like, I'm getting a lot of value out of this and it's kind of making me change who I am. It's 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 cliche or it's cheesy, but it's making me treat people better, I feel like. Just hearing Joe who I know, you know, I don't give him all the credit in the world. I don't think he's got it all together, but he had a lot more of, of it figured out than I did. Right. So then I started branching out and finding other podcasts and finding other podcasts, and I would find myself like parroting some of the things I would hear on a podcast to friends, whether it was about nutrition or working out or all these different aspects. And it it didn't feel genuine because I'm like, these are not my words, but I'm like, these people will not give these these guys a chance, you know, they're not going to, they don't listen to podcasts. They're not going to, people just don't, you know? So I decided I'm like, okay, well, I'm learning this from a a genuine form. I'm not going to school for it, but I'm getting it. I'm getting the information from good sources. So me repeating it, I'm still learning it. Right. Don't you think? I mean, like it's still knowledge that I possess, you know, so the way that I share it doesn't really matter. So, I was like, if I can start a podcast, a lot of the people that I know won't give the fear factor guy, Joe Rogan, who's making people eat disgusting stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. that's but,
0: It's so funny, you know, not to get down t- too many rabbit holes, but like, I've, I only know and remember Joe, I mean, I, I follow his content now, but in more so in the last year, but all I remember Joe as, is the eating the roach guy, yeah, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> come on, you can do it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he's doing
1: that, and he's a commentator of, of mixed martial arts and yeah. all this stuff, but he's got a lot more knowledge, but a lot of people aren't going to give him that chance because of that. So, Or some people, which I, I have the problem myself, is I listen to certain podcasts, and they talk so far over my head, I can't keep up. Yeah. Like I'm having to pause it, Google different terms, or look up <laughs> different things, right. and it's, it's literally like a day or two of studying before I can dive back in and, and feel like I'm staying afloat. So I'm like, most people that I know fit that category. I was like, so if I do it, I've been very fortunate that people have always supported whatever I've done, my friends, my family, and a lot of strangers. So I'm like, maybe I can reach those people because I know they're probably going to support just like they always do. So if I can get that information to them, that's what I need to do. So the, the podcast started as more of an entrepreneur-based thing. Cause I also wanted to document this is around the same time I started in the clothing company. I wanted to document that because I had no former training. I mean, I worked at Hart and Huntington and I did some stuff with the clothing, but it's, it's not the same as starting your own. You know, there's a lot of things you don't know going in. So I wanted to document that because I, I always hear the excuse. I don't know how to do that or I don't know where to start. I didn't know any of that either. I'd never built a website, I'd never done anything you know, with clothing, ordered my own, never had a retail store, online retail store, never done any of that, but I wanted to do it bad enough to figure it out, so I'm like, I'll document, and, and kind of let people see, and since then, the podcast has evolved into just becoming the best version of yourself, which is something else, you know, Joe says a lot, but that's what I, I try to do, surround myself with people like yourself, like Matt, you know, that are doing you know their thing in fields that i'm interested in yep you know so that's that's what launched the podcast and that's it's it's also if i'm being honest it's it's a selfish thing too i'm able to to steal steal people's time and sometimes it feels like that i talk to people so much smarter than me or you know just so far down the road in business that i'm like if i didn't have this podcast i probably wouldn't get this opportunity not to the same degree Yep. So it's a way for me to have conversations with people I might not get to have, but it's uninterrupted. It's unfiltered because yeah, maybe I could have hit you up on Instagram and I could have said, Hey, I'll buy you lunch. If, if you'll let me pick your brain about some stuff and maybe you say, yeah, but the waitress comes over refilling the drinks. There's a baby crying somewhere. <laughs> There's people walking in. Somebody walks in and sees you and y'all have a five minute. It's, it's not the same as, yep. as the podcast when you get to put on the headphones and get locked in and just have a conversation with someone. Yep. So it's also right. selfish reasons. I know. love it
0: though. I'm going to back you up. You went down a couple of paths that I want to, you know, delve into. We'll talk about the apparel stuff because I think that would be really interesting. Uh, having being interested in that myself and wanting to hear, you know, your background and where you, mm-hmm. where you went with that. I know it's been a little bit on hiatus as we talked right. about pre session but. Let's talk about Mr. Pink for a second. I think I think that's really fascinating and I you know I don't want to sweep that under the rug because right. and we were talking before, but you know, talk a little bit about that experience and you know, I think it's fascinating that you you know, we were talking pre session and, and I, I really believe in this, you know, if you want to get close to the sun, you get close to the sun. You know, mm-hmm. you were talking about kind of that principle and what you did. And I think taking those steps is a radical step is a is a radical mindset for a lot of people want and think and want to do things but it's a lot of talk mm-hmm. but actually taking action yep a, a guy from south carolina uh picking up and moving to southern california for that opportunity but I, let's talk a little bit about that experience and yeah. and and you know what led you to kind of do that steps and what you learned from all that
1: yep yeah so to get in with with them was no easy task um I had gone to Atlanta. Kerry uh, had a Supercross race team. So I had gone to Atlanta the night before. The team was sponsored by Dodge. So they were doing a signing at a Dodge dealership. So I went down there early, way before the signing, in an attempt to make myself ava- available, see who I could kind of rub elbows with, and just see where it went. So I saw the team manager, Kenny Watson. I knew who he was just because he's been around forever. Uh, he was putting graphics on a bike. and I asked if he needed any help. Fortunately for me, he was not a bind, you know, pushed for time. So he said, well, yeah, if you know what you're doing, you're welcome to do it. So I made it a point to finish my side before he finished his side and thought that would look good. So I kind of asked him, hey, you guys don't need any help in the pits tomorrow. The the tone instantly changed. He kind of laughed literally in my face I'm like, no, nah, man, we're good. <laughs> and he walked off, you know, no thanks, no nothing. Knowing Kenny now and we're we're kind of friends, you know, so... That's just his demeanor. That's how he is. If he loves you, he's still going to treat you that way. Anyway, that that kind of fizzled out and got me nowhere. Um, But I didn't get discouraged. I saw that uh, one of their tattoo locations in Orlando was having their fifth year anniversary party. And I decided, well, maybe I go and make myself available again. So I wanted to get a couple friends. So worst case, I'm not just some weirdo showing up by myself. Yeah, you know. So I offered to several friends who are also into the same stuff. They're into moto. They're into carry. They're into the same stuff. I said, hey, I'm paying for everything if you want to go, and they they kind of broke it to me easy. But they're like, man, you're kind of wasting your time with this. They knew why I was going. I expressed my motives. Hey, I'm trying to get my foot in the door and. They were kind of skeptical and right, rightfully so, you know, it, it was a long shot. Needless to say, I drove down there uh, by myself, got there early. Um, and as soon as I walked up, things couldn't have gone better. Um, the owner of that, that franchise location knew me from social media and uh, said, what are you doing here, man? I was like, well, I just, I came to hang out and, you know, do you need any help? What can I help you set up tables or tents or whatever? And he was taking that. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, we got that. Like, here, you, uh, you do that, you know, so he put me with the GM of Hart and Huntington. And uh, we ended up talking, having drinks. And while we're sitting there, Carrie walks in, sits down. I'm like okay, this is good because <laughs> it's a small table. It's good a three-person sign. table. Oh, yep. nice! And and I'm in the mix. So here the we go. The sun comes in. Exactly. <laughs> so he snaps a photo, and I'm a full-on eager beaver. I'm like, oh, I wonder where that's going. Is that going somewhere? You know. And my face wasn't even in the photo, man. It was just the table, the drinks we were having. Let's and talk think, time
0: period here. What time period are we in?
1: This is uh 2000. This is probably 2012, 2013. Okay, error. All right. So uh he snaps the photo and finally he's got some stuff he's got to go do and before he leaves the meeting he says uh, hey get his info. We might we might want to do something with him. And I was through the roof. I was by myself so there's no one there to like explain <laughs> it. So you got to you got to be, you know, put no, on a poker face. No one face. to fist bump for high fives. Exactly. You <laughs> just got a poker face. Yeah, you know, nice to meet you whatever and and that's another big thing was not you know I was a huge fan of his and I had met him before at like signings but it was it was important to me not to fan out cuz I knew they would instantly kind of tr- oh whoa keep some space yeah. from this you know so it was it was just a very casual conversation I ended up getting the guy's number um the GM and I we we exchanged info and uh he told me the end of that weekend, this is a full on weekend of events and different things going on. He told me at the end of that weekend, he's like, if you get out to Southern California, we'll have a job for you. So, two weeks later, I drove my ninety-two Acura Integra with all the stuff I could fit in it. That was all <laughs> I was gonna take. I was like, I'll figure out a bed, I'll figure out so I had just the basics and just enough room for me to drive. And uh So I drive out to Southern California. I hit him up like probably before I even really got there and like, hey, man, I'm in California. Like what? And he was like kind of cold. He's like, oh, there's not really a a position yet. Like I didn't know you were going (laughs) to be here to make a move. Yeah, like, you know, and in hindsight, I I probably should have reached out before and said, hey, I can actually make the move fairly soon. Is there? But I didn't want to. I guess maybe in the back of my head, I knew maybe he would say, wait a minute. Yeah, Don't.
0: You didn't want the rejection. Exactly. You You get there and maybe they'll find something.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I'm here (laughs) now. You know, here's the pressure to, you said there's a job. So anyway, that, uh, it was a, a pretty good while before a job opened up, um, with them. And then one finally did open up as a, like a internship, which I was happy to do and spent all of my extra time at that office. Uh, The GM of Hart & Huntington is a very driven guy, and he's very passionate about what he does, so he doesn't hold normal business hours. He's always got his laptop. He's always working on something. He's always going back to the office doing stuff. So I was just like a puppy dog following him around, for one, trying to impress him and show him that I was serious. But two, I viewed it as an opportunity to soak up as much knowledge about that whole business, that whole organization, as I could. And there were obviously a lot of perks that come along with it as well. You know, the different athletes they sponsor that I had looked up to as as a kid or or definitely knew who they were are always popping in and hanging out and we're going to see them and, you know, taking care of them with care packages and stuff like that. So there were a lot of perks, but it was still an internship for a good while. So I'm making no money. And that that was pretty standard in that industry because there's a lot of people that that want that job for obvious reasons. So... I don't know that I agree with that whole business model, but it is what it is. And that's what I had to work with. So that was kind of, you know, the foot in the door kind of thing. And then when I got the job offer, it was a big one is within the corporate office. So kind of skipped a few rungs on the ladder. And I would imagine that that's because I, in the beginning, nothing was, you know, out of my wheelhouse. Like if it was just, you know, Hey, we've got a a design room. That's a mess. I would clean it, Mm -hmm. you know, So I would literally do anything, go pick up lunch for the office. You know, if they said, Hey, what do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? I was the first to volunteer. I'll go grab it. You know, just trying to show like, Hey, I'll do whatever it takes to be here. Yep. And, uh, and that worked out to be really, you know, a really good foot in the door for all the other avenues I wanted to do because it put me on the map, I guess with, with certain people, you know what I mean? So we, when we moved the corporate, the corporate office to Vegas, Um, Hart and Huntington is big there because of the tattoo shop, because Carrie has spent so much time in Vegas. You know, once people know you work at the corporate level at Hart and Huntington, a lot of doors would open there. You know, you were, you were treated well, you know, not, not like a a celebrity per se, but I mean, meals were comped and, and things like that. And it really made me see, oh, this is all just, you know, this is all just one big act that everyone is playing. You know, so as, as cool as it was, I realized that every, every piece of that puzzle was just a normal person at the end of the day. You know, I'd put Carrie, I'd put all these other people on such a high pedestal and they were all just as excited to be there as I was, Right. you know, and That's I thought cool. that was cool.
0: That is cool. It's, I, it's funny how people are still people, you know? Exactly. we make, we make yep. celebrities, we make things out to be something and at the end of the day we all put on our pants every day and do things and right. go to work and it's like there's a normalcy that uh i think becomes a surprise for people when they when they have that mindset that it's going to be something and not that it's a disappointment but right right but there's just that realness yeah and, well, so, and,
1: and some celebrities do treat that as like hey i'm different you should treat me better yeah you know and i was i was lucky that the guys i were around i guess maybe they weren't famous enough to command that kind of I won't call it respect just because it's it's silliness to me but they were never on that level you know they were always super cool when fans came up you would never know like that they're any different than the fan they would talk as long as you want to talk about whatever you want to talk about and sign whatever you want to sign and take pictures and happy to do it because they appreciated the opportunity that they had just like I did Nobody's asking for me for my picture, yeah. but I'm still very appreciative of the opportunity and the position that I'm in. And that's one thing that I learned from all of those guys too is always appreciate that situation that you're put in because somebody somewhere wanted to be me, mm-hmm. the guy that's, that's behind the scenes, but I'm right there. My foot's on the line. You know, yep. Somebody wanted that position I have. Yep,
0: you know? Always so talk timeline so when did that when did you get back to Greenville area
1: I moved back to Greenville in 2015 so after my time with uh with Hart and Huntington uh I did a few other things we can talk about if you want to but um so I started working for a friend of mine TJ Lavin very well known for his show on MTV very well known in the BMX world which is how I knew him Again, another childhood hero. Mm -hmm. Um, I saved up money to buy his signature BMX bike when I was into BMX and stuff. So, again, another really good opportunity and opened a lot more doors for me as well. Um, However, that was someone on his level that has that many things going on genuinely needs an assistant. And Mm -hmm. I was able to fill that role for him. But since we were friends before that, it just felt weird. It didn't feel comfortable accepting money every week from him. Cause I'm like, if I wasn't working, I, I would be doing all this stuff I'm doing with him anyway. Right. I'm basically getting paid to hang out, you know, or, yeah. or house sit his dogs, which I would do anyway. You don't need to pay me for that. Yeah. So that was uncomfortable. Uh, my girlfriend at the time was a dental hygienist and she had moved from Southern California to Vegas with me. And, uh, she had done really well. Um, we had kind of come up with a strategy where she goes into an office and sets her own price and works for a week for free to prove how she can increase production and all that so having that under her belt it was an easy sell for me to convince her hey let's get out of vegas we weren't sure where we wanted to go she was from oregon i was from south carolina but we knew we wanted to get out of vegas so i said hey go to south carolina you know well you can work your same angle because she was worried about pay you know, because in Vegas, she's making like 50 bucks an hour. South Carolina's 25 an hour. Still yeah. good money for here. Sure. And, and she was kind of, you know, downplaying that. I'm like, hey, you need to understand. that's In South Carolina, the cost of living, all that stuff, that's, that's pretty decent money. Yep. But anyway, it was a, a fairly easy sale to get her back here. Yep. Um, so we moved back in 2015, and I actually started working at uh, Harley of Greenville, the local Harley dealership here. Um, That job opened up as we were on the road. So I kind of walked into that, which was nice. Again, completely different, but...
0: How was that experience?
1: It was good. It was everything you think it would be for a guy that loves Harley motorcycles. You know, Um, I had never done vehicle sales. I'd done some retail sales. I'd done some other things, but selling vehicles was completely different. But I learned a lot of lessons about handling customers and, and things like that, you know, how important follow up calls are, follow up emails. I learned a lot about business that I didn't know at the time that I was learning yep. about business, you know, things that I implement now and different things that I do. So it was a really good experience. Um, I bought a Harley, which is probably <laughs> not smart.
0: There, I think there I think whether in purposeful or not, That pause before saying that is what I imagine anyone, and I don't own a motorcycle, but before they buy a motorcycle, I feel like there's like that natural mental pause. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, and
1: I had had bikes throughout my whole entire life, on-road, off-road, Harley, different brands, whatever, but I had always bought used because that's what I could afford, and I think I was two weeks in before I bought like one of the most expensive bikes we have there, but... (laughs) (laughs) you know i was like i gotta be the part you know i think that's how i justified it to my girlfriend you know which was how am i gonna sell a guy one if he asked me what i have and i said oh I, i drive a different brand or you know i have an older bike you know i need what i'm gonna sell him what
0: is the harley mindset i've you know like is it just that freedom and the open road like i you know i've I've always fascinated on what that is. Like me, I value my life too much. Like and I'm I'm not look, I'll flip off the dock, I'm forty one years old. Like I'll jump off a mountain. It isn't like I'm scared of life. Right. But there's something in my brain that just says some idiot in a car is gonna kill me and you know, like if I'm on a motorcycle, no well, matter how good I drive.
1: That's exactly <laughs> it. I think that lives in the back of your head and that's exciting. You know, yeah. it's it's adrenaline, you yeah. know, it, it feels good and you do you do feel badass on a Harley, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's got the rumble, it's got the shake, it's got the look, like and it's it's timeless, you know. Yeah. It's you still hear hear Harley, and you, you it, it puts a certain thought in your head, and you don't you don't even you know own one, but you yeah. know what I'm yeah, talking I do. about when yeah, I say exactly. Harley Davidson.
0: I think of the brand. I mean, being in marketing, I I, I know the brand. I get it. I see it. I oh, see yeah. the material, and I I can. I can get my mind around the experience that they're selling uh-huh. you know, yeah so, uh well cool we'll talk let's talk back uh, good back on the podcast side of things um and then I would like to venture down the peril side, but on the podcast, so you're about a year into it, talk mm-hmm. about where i think we've we've heard now a little bit uh where the self made kind of came from, yeah, but where did you know where where did the mind your mindset come from with building it around that name and you know what's been the things you've learned and experienced and some of the guests you've had on the podcast
1: yeah sure um so self-made came from uh, a lot of people associate it with uh, like i've got it tattooed on my knuckles and so does travis barker and a lot of people associate self-made with being well off financially like i've made it i've arrived i'm here So my meaning was much different. I had a very colorful background when I was younger. I was a screw-up as a kid, Um, not for lack of good parenting because I I literally had some of the best that you could have. Um, I just made some poor choices, you know. I was just kind of running wild. You couldn't tell me anything, you know, losing my license and just all kind of madness. But I took responsibility for that, you know. I never... um, It's a funny story. Uh, A friend of mine, it's a long story. We'll shorten it down to a friend of mine. I may have given him the information, but I knew that when they park school buses, they leave keys in the ignition. We happened to be driving by school late at night. That made me think of that when I saw the buses. I told him he didn't believe me. (laughs) It's already. (laughs) like it's going good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. A car full of us pull in. He jumps out. He jumps on the bus. He runs back with the biggest smile ever. He's like, the keys are there. The keys are there. And he's like, I'm going to drive it. Who's coming? There was literally a car full of us. Not one person moved. He gets back on the bus, doesn't care. He takes off. So he's gone for a good little while. And finally, we're like, is he coming back? Is he? Is it, are we expected to follow? What's going to happen? <laughs> a guy runs around, gets in the driver's seat. Granted, there's been several minutes, but on the surveillance tape, it kind of looks like we just dropped him off. He stole the bus. And so... None of us got on the bus. None of us drove a bus. We all got the same sentence as him. Which now, knowing that, I probably would have driven my own bus. Because <laughs> if I'm gonna go down for it, I want to have the fun too. Yeah. You know. But so I had done some things. You know. Obviously, that landed us in jail for a little, little, little while. <laughs> um, just a you know a few hours. But still, had a bad background. But I didn't. All the rest of the kids called their parents. My parents only found out when one of the other parents showed up to get their kid out. And this was a a kid that I was close with and his mom was like, well, what are you, what's your, I'm like, I'm just going to figure it out. She called my parents for me, but I took ownership of that immediately and saying, well, my parents had nothing to do with this. I don't want to, for one, I didn't want to, I didn't want them to know, but also I genuinely just didn't want to put that burden on them. I'm like, well, let me just see what I can do on my own first So self-made came from me wanting to take ownership for where I'm at, whether it be good or bad, you know, because trust me, I take credit when I I do good things as well. But I take credit for who I am, where I'm at in my life, and I try not to blame other people for that because we can all say, oh, well, so-and-so screwed us over or, you know, I had a bad roll of the dice or or whatever. That's the cards you were dealt, and you've got to play those. So I put self-made on my knuckles for that reason. And then starting the self-made podcast, it was it was a play on words, and it was literally a self-made podcast. Like, I'd, I had no information other than, you know, I had YouTube some Tim Ferriss stuff or something on starting a podcast and some equipment and some do's and don'ts. But other than that, I started it on my own. I knew nothing about the website where it's hosted, but I was like, well, I'll figure it out because I don't have the budget to pay anyone, you know, so... Yeah. That's just kind of how it all got started.
0: Yeah, I love it. I think a lot of people overthink the podcast thing a bit. Um, you know, people are starting to consume them more. And I, you know, really encourage people to like just figure it out. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. a YouTube video away, and you don't have to have, you know, $500 in equipment. You can literally get started with probably literally with the Anchor app, which is where we push out the podcasts for radical to all the platforms with anchor. You can literally use your smartphone, Mm -hmm. like record your voice into it. Exactly. and Start there.
1: Yeah. I, I try to uh, anyone that says they may want to start a podcast. I try to make myself available to them for that same reason. I'm like, okay, well this is, you know, the equipment ranges from, you know, 80 bucks to, you know, we can get to a couple thousand. What's your budget. What's this, what's this. And I don't ask for anything in return, you know, just as you figure out different things or something better, share it with me, Yep, you know, cause I don't feel like I'm special and that I've been fortunate that my podcast to me has become successful. The numbers I see and the downloads we get and stuff, but I don't feel like I'm special or I'm any different than anyone else. Yep. So I think everyone else could do that, you know?
0: Yeah. It's definitely being relatable. I think that's yeah. what I, I listened to some of your episodes, you know, getting to know you and it's definitely, there's like a, a relatable factor you and how you interview people and how you talk i mean there's not that you know joe rogan and some of these guys aren't i mean they're great but like i think that's a a uniqueness you know some of that comes i think with you know being southern guys and south carolina boys a little bit i think there's just Mm -hmm. a realness and you know most people that i meet you know i think that's a characteristic that comes off, but that was something that I really kind of embraced from listening to some of your stuff.
1: That's really good to hear because that was another reason that I wanted to start it was to be relatable because you look at these, you know, these hackers or people that, you know, are trying to improve their lives, Tim Ferriss, Rogan, all those other guys. They've got a huge income. Their time is a little more flexible and people are quick to write them off because of that. They say, well, of course you can eat good when you've got an unlimited budget or you've got a chef that lives with you like Carrie does, or, you know, you've got this or yeah, you don't have to go to a normal nine to five job or so they'll write them off for that reason. I'm like, well, I have none of that. (laughs) You know, I don't have the big budget. I do go to a nine to five. You know, I do have to figure out things on my own. And if I'm still able to do it, so are you. That was another big reason in wanting to do it is I felt like I could be more relatable yep. to them. And just like you said, even with the Southern thing, like I have a slight complex about my accent, you know, being from the South. Because in, you know, in TV or, or cartoons or anything, if they want to portray someone as, as ignorant. They give them a Southern accent. Yep. You know, so we kind of catch it for oh, that.
0: Yeah. I lived in Manhattan for five oh, years. Oh, boy. So uh, believe me. But I use it to my advantage because I would... You know, walk into a room of, you know, New York guys and Manhattan guys. And nobody's from Manhattan, but they're all, you know, either probably been there longer than me or from some northern city that, you know. And then, yeah. you know, walk in and I get sly, sly as a fox sit in the reading room and, you know, dissect it. And I'd say something and would be like, oh, I don't know. But then... Bring some zingers out, right. Like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then the clients thought it was charming, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yep. And, and you same get,
1: thing with with girls mm. in Southern California; they love it. Oh You yeah. know, it's it's like you're from a different country. That, oh, say this <laughs> word, say that word, and I was happy to oblige.
0: You know. I know, but uh, talk about the apparel side. Um, that's very interesting to me. You know, with What we've been doing with Radical and GVL Hustle, we've got an apparel component that we've been toying around with, but I'm fascinated by all of that, especially on the way and being, you know, owning an ad agency and having clients in the direct-to-consumer space. The retail game has changed so much with Mm -hmm. Instagram and Facebook and all these platforms where you can go direct-to-consumer and you don't have to have a storefront. It's fascinating to me and then from a fashion perspective i'm just into certain looks and feels but i'd love to delve a little bit into your your fashion side which i know you said you you know took it to a certain place and maybe it's been a little on hiatus but Mm -hmm. maybe starting to come back but love to get your perspective on you know how you started that you know some of your experiences or recommendations for people that might be listening and thinking about that 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 segment
1: absolutely so i started that i um I like a, a simple style. I don't like big, loud, busy, graphic shirts, but I also didn't want to spend a ton of money on just a plain colored t-shirt, you know, 40 or 50 bucks for a blue, nice t-shirt. So I decided to uh, to start the clothing company and I was going to do just very simple designs, very small logo, subtle, so something that you could wear out, you know, to the bar or you could wear anywhere and it kind of works, you yep. know, it's not, you're not out of place. So to start that, I looked at a bunch of different uh, blank manufacturers that, you know, just have the different blank t-shirts because I knew I wanted it to be premium because in the past I had bought a lot of t-shirts from a lot of friends, either for a fundraiser or for whatever they're doing, that were printed on really low quality shirts and I bought it to support them and I never wore it. So I was like, it gets me nothing if I just get that one sale and they don't wear that shirt to kind of push it and promote it. So I knew it had to be on a premium shirt. So I found a website that kind of stocked everybody's, all the different apparel vendors Mm. kind of stocked everybody's. So I just ordered my size in like 10 different brands and then multiple different styles. So as soon as they got there, there were some that immediately just went in the trash. You know, I was like, (laughs) oh, this is garbage. This is garbage. This fits weird. It's kind of square. Like I work out. I want people to kind of be able to know I work out. So I want a form fitting shirt without being too tight. So when I narrowed it down to the ones that I really liked, I started wearing those shirts. I'd wear them to work. I'd wear them to the gym. I'd wash them multiple times just again and again and again because that was another big thing. I was like, if I'm putting my name on this, I don't want crap. Yep. I don't want them to unravel or seems to come loose or anything like that. So I finally narrowed it down to the brand that I wanted to use. So then I tried to source the cheapest I could, you know, find out who carries this brand and who will sell it to me for the cheapest. So I found a, uh, a website, and for those people listening, I found PPS Apparel is where I buy it. And there's no minimum um, for a $150 order or more. They ship for free. Their shipping is really fast. And I had gone to local printers and said, hey, I will tell you what I'm buying the shirt for. You don't even have to beat it. Just match it. So far, even to this day, no one has ever been able to even match it. So the prices were really, really good. Um,
0: So So you get them yourself and you'd have them screen printed? Yes, exactly. So
1: that was a a thing in itself. And I don't know if you've gone down this road, but everyone that I've I've talked to about clothing has gone down this road. Screen printers are a different breed. They've all kind of, in my experience at least, they've all got their hang-ups. So I found one guy who was great. I mean, he knew exactly what I was going for. I even wanted the ink soft. Like I didn't want the ink print on the shirt to be hard, yep. which I knew would eventually flake from, you know, experience. But also it just felt better, it looked better. He, he knew all that. He got all this stuff. I mean, even with colors, like any tweaks or adjustments or ideas he had were always good, like on point. His communication was horrible. Getting him to answer the phone, answer an email, <clears throat> even when, you know, even when I owed him money was hard. I'm like, man, if, if I owe you money and you won't answer the phone, then what's going to happen when I need something? <laughs> you know, and then a couple times he dropped the ball on the date. Now, granted, in his defense, he did stay late and he got my stuff done, but he would admit, he's like, I completely forgot. So he was just kind of, you know. I went to a. Welcome I, to the creative world. <laughs> uh, you know, the
0: creative art space. I yeah. kind of have her on both sides of the creative and type A account guy, I think, at least with my brain, but I'm definitely more type A account guy as far as. I mean, I, you know, if someone emails me, I'm writing them back within 30 minutes. If I get a text, you know, yeah. like I'm pretty anal with communication. Right. But uh, creative, generally speaking, in the advertising world, you've got the account people that are type a like box checkers mm-hmm. and then the creative guys brilliant ideas but boy like timelines and awareness of schedule like goes yep. a little by the wayside
1: and see that's why communication was so big for me as i learned that you know working at Harley, is there were a couple deals that i lost just because the other dealership reached out to them faster you know they had shopped me they'd shopped someone else <clears> and our price everything was the same it was just Oh, they called me back quicker. Yeah. You know, it was like, well, I called you as soon as I got in. Well, maybe that guy got in 30 minutes sooner. So to me that, that made a big difference. So then I had found another printer who the, everything was good. Their prices were a little high, but everything was good. But as me doing this all on my own, I had no, no investors, nobody put in any money. I didn't take out any loans. So it's very small scale. You know, I'm running like this style, 48 shirts, this style, 78 shirts, just trying to figure out where this is going to go. This company um, went under new ownership, and those numbers weren't even on their radar. Hmm. I'm like, I, what, what, what my company is now may not be what it is in a couple years, only because I had some things in the pipe that I thought might kind of project some sales, and I didn't want to pull that card or, or sound like an asshole, you know, some jerk with an ego, but I wanted to let them know, like, hey, these... This 48 and 72 might turn into 500, you know, or 1200 very soon. So keep that in mind. And they just, they didn't want my business, you know, and other people, their, their prices are too high and I'm trying to do it all local. So I have probably tried every local shop around here and they all have their quirks and some of them I can live with, but I just want to find that one where it feels good. Like I walk in and I set my blanks down, but I want to sit and talk with the people there and.
0: We're definitely gonna have to talk offline on that because what we do this for a couple others and I, I want to support local and I wanna do that, but the print on demand game has gotten a little better. Mm-hmm. Um and it's also more manageable, especially if you have a built in audience. And it's hard if you're selling onesie twosie or you, it helps with not you don't never know what size is the stock. Exactly. If you're selling you know, if you're selling 10,000 units, you can kind of manage this cuz you've got the sales coming in to support that mm-hmm. extra stock. But when you're selling a hundred or fewer, it that trying to know how many smalls, medium, large, extra large, you know, yep. that is a, you know, a guessing game. That was a and,
1: huge mistake I made and that I ended up with a ton of extra large, which fortunately for me is my size, but I view myself as the average size guy most guys were ordering large even guys that should order extra large were ordering large so i just ended up with a ton of like you're saying extra inventory um but to touch on that i have a a friend who owned he owned a company called unit a clothing Mm -hmm. company and they they credit two or three different styles although they had well over a hundred something for their success and on his last year of owning unit i think they were two thousand dollars shy of hitting like $20 million for the wow. year. So they did really, really well. Um, he stepped away from that company because it, it started as him and his brother selling shirts out of a, a trunk, you know, a true rags to riches kind of deal. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And he said, once it got to like 50 people, I noticed I'd walk into the office, there were people I didn't really know. And then it turned into 150 people and we had an HR team and all this. He's like, I was literally locking myself in like my design room and trying to stay away, and, and it wasn't fun. So he sold that, but he started a print-on-demand company, and he's based out of Australia, and they've recently launched one in California. So I was fortunate enough to get to pick his brain about doing that because well that's, that's where it's at. That way I don't tie up any equity. You know, yeah. it's, This would be a really good path. However, coming from a guy who that's his company, that's his business, we were going to do business together, he said, coming from someone that would make money if you sign up with me, I don't think you should sign up with me and here's why. So fortunately, a lot of people worry about being the small guy and not selling a lot. That can be a positive. So where that's a positive is I'm the one packing the orders. You know, I'm the one doing everything. So when I see a name, I search it in my system in the back end and if I don't see where they have ordered before and I don't recognize the name, I've got their information there. Sometimes I pick up the phone and I call and I just say, Hey, this is Matt. I'm packing your order. I just wanted to tell you thanks, you know, for shopping with it. You know, it's going out right now. And they're like, this is Matt Snipes. I'm like, yeah. They're (laughs) like, wow, this is cool. Like, that's, well, I appreciate it, man. Like, yeah, I like your stuff. You know, thanks for, you know, the call, whatever. Use that being small time because hopefully there will come a time where you can't do that. Send them an email or sometimes like I would search their name, say, like on social media, especially I would just look through my following because that's really the only place I was marketing any of my stuff with social media and most times they f- either follow me or follow my company page so i would find them on social media and if i could verify like oh yeah that's that's them just send them a dm like hey sending out your shirt throw a couple extra stickers in there for you you know so i love
0: that idea we we manage a, a certain dentist that uh his I had the most watch of any video on Facebook this year, <laughs> a dancing dentist, uh-huh. and uh, just gave me an idea. We should um, have him Skype call some of his oh, fans. Yeah, yep. well, we've sold five thousand pieces of merchandise for him in the last three months. Yeah, and uh, exactly, we need to just Skype call one of his fans, and yep. that'd be great content. So I started
1: doing <laughs> the handwritten cards and all this stuff. So the the print on order. Thing, that doesn't work because even my, my packaging, you know, like I put it in like a, a poly mailer just like everyone else, but I found a really nice blue looking one and I couldn't afford to, at the time, I couldn't afford to have the, the poly mailers printed with my logo and have it yep. look all nice and professional, so I went and bought a $30 stamp of my logo. Hmm. And I stamped every one. Hmm. So it, it looks like it's printed on there. You can't tell, but it's all those personal things. Like even that blue, when you open your mailbox, it's not a white generic mailer. It's bright. Yeah. It's blue. It's got my logo stamped right in the middle. He's like, we can't offer that. And right now that's probably going to be what's going to set you aside from the other guys. He's The like, biggest so thing I've seen with the print on
0: demand is the quality is very it changes from almost shirt to shirt, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's been a hard thing. Like we've, we've had that with some of Dr. C's stuff, you know, it's been good overall. Uh It's been good enough. And you know, we're, we're most of it's going back to cancer patients. Like, so it's not, it is his brand and we want it to be a certain things, but we know we're giving up a few, you know, a certain amount of personal touch that we might would do Mm -hmm. now for the things that we want to do with our personal, you know, radical and Greenville hustle and all that. We want it to be more, branded like you're talking about right. and that is where the print on demand gets tough right but i don't know if someone can figure i'm hoping that someone around here pops up that will that we can offer the best of both worlds
1: yeah and that's the thing too with with you doing greenville hustle man it's like it, it may not look good if you're subbing that out you know here oh no buy I, this greenville gear and support greenville agree we're we're supporting business over here 100 you know, percent. but
0: yeah exactly that's why we haven't picked a vendor yet but but. to the to the
1: screen printers you got to give us something to work with you know I don't ask for much same thing with I went against every everything all my friends in business that I really admire I sat down with all of them trying to launch this clothing thing just picking their brain on different even if they had never done clothing I knew they would have something they could offer and I went against kind of everything that they They said, you know, just based on that's how I felt good doing business. And for example, giving them the number that I'm paying for shirts, they said, no, 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 don't give them, make them give you their number, which I know from sales. Like I know the hustle. I know that. And that may get me a better deal. But look, if you can make a couple cents and I can, you know, still get the, the same price, I'm comfortable with this price. If I could get it lower, great. But if I don't, this is still a comfortable number for me. Can you make money? given it to me at this cost. And they said, no, don't do that. You know, that's not, that's how I like to do business. You know what I mean? Like, so are you
0: promoting your merchandise now? Like, is it out there? No.
1: So what I did is, is I made certain styles and, uh, once we, I made everything and this is where I I dropped the ball and that trying to do it and the podcast at the same time became a conflict. So it's all coming from one pot of money. So I had had offers of investment into my clothing, you know, substantial offers, really good offers. Some of them were coming from friends that I immediately turned down only because I was just really scared of, even if it goes really, really good, then your smaller percent, you know, visually isn't going to look like my percent when, you know, because I had seen that firsthand when, you know, certain cars... And houses and stuff, they're like, well, I'm a partner in that. I'm not driving. He just bought, so you know, he's going home telling his wife. Like, oh, yeah. you see, is, you know, even though they're making good money, it's just. So even if it goes good, in my mind, it still goes bad. So friends were a no-no right off the bat. But two, I was like, although my clothing lines know where I want it to be, we have zero debt. Right. We don't have a lot of the stuff I want us to have, but we carry no debt. So that was a good place to be. So I had turned down money investments. But then when I got into the podcast, as you know, buying equipment gets very expensive, very fast. You know, same thing with I'm building the website and hosting a website and doing all this other stuff. All that money was coming from the same pool. So my resources for the clothing were dwindling. You know, I couldn't order as much, couldn't do as much because I'm allocating these resources somewhere else. Yeah. So, I look back and I justify that by saying, well, I wasn't making that much money. And I told myself that because again, going against the grain on sizes like, you know, two X, three X, whatever, I've got a lot of friends that are naturally big guys. Those shirts, those blanks cost me more to buy. I charge the same for those as I do a large cause I'm like, this guy's just big. Right. It would suck if I was that big and I had to pay extra just cause I'm born big, right. you know. Yeah. So uh, again, when went against the business advice. They're like, no, 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 no. Clothing has to have this amount of markup and this. I'm like, Mm-mm. right. And they're like, Hey, you're selling premium shirts. You should charge more. I'm like, I'm not paying more than X amount for a t-shirt. I don't feel good about charging that. Even if I could sell it, yeah. you know, there's brands like Supreme that sell hoodies for like $6,000. And although that's great, I would never want to be that guy that, Because, you know, I mean, as you get older, you kind of know it's just a a thing just to say (laughs) you've got it. You know, it's not I don't want to do that. Even if people would pay that, it sounds crazy, but I don't want to make money that way. It's not money I can feel good about. Yeah. So doing that kind of I told myself, well, I wasn't making that much money. So I just focused all my attention on the podcast, whatever. And then one day I randomly just kind of got out my books and started looking at numbers. I'm like, the T-shirt thing was very profitable for me. Yeah. You know, I just, it was, this is another spot where I messed up and I would encourage anyone that starts any kind of business to not do what I did. I had one freaking bank account for three businesses and my personal. So everything was just in one big pot. It's just money in, money out, money in, money out. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, even if you're good with your money, you, you can't track it. You can't, especially when tax time comes, it what was horrible. Nightmare. Horrible. Yeah. The, you know, no, no, no accountant even wanted to mess with it. They're like, what three different LLCs and your personal are all on. What are you, what are you doing, man?
0: (laughs) 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 So hopefully you've rectified that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've gone a different direction now. Um, But that was a mistake I made early on that I would encourage others to not make. You know, it's it's a small one. It seems small in the beginning because I'm like, well, there's no investors. I'm not going to have to give any percentage. There's no nothing. So I just thought, well, same pot. You know, money in, money out. Yep. And that's kind of how it goes. So I let the clothing thing die on that hill of well, it wasn't really that profitable. And although I enjoyed it, it was more of a labor of love. I love the podcast a little more. Not going to do that. So since then, I've decided to go a different direction, and now I'm kind of glad I didn't take take any investment, because now I'm willing to at least entertain that conversation, but we're going to go a different direction in that I want to also sell products that I think are good, so different supplements, but I don't want to start my own supplement brand and do all that. I would just rather, a common theme with me is I don't have to make a ton of money off any one thing or any one person. So uh, some of the supplements that I really enjoy that I believe in, I'll just set up a wholesale account with them. Mm. I'll retail on my, Hey, this is what I take. And so i more sell. like curating.
0: Exactly. That you like. Yeah.
1: So I wanted it to be more of like a, you know, an optimization website, fitness equipment that I like, you know, supplements that I like still do the clothing, yeah. but just offer different products. And now I'm really glad I didn't take that money because mentally I'm in a better spot base obviously financially i've separated everything yeah and it's it's ready for a partner you know because some of my friends probably would have invested money not a real investor will look at all that but yeah. a friend is just like okay here's five grand you know
0: yeah we'll see some <laughs> return
1: soon you know and that's that's it
0: i love it i love it well matt i really appreciate all the insight i think it's been really i think Rewarding, you know, kind of hearing your story, and I think for people listening, um, that will probably delve into more of your content. I'd love for you to kind of maybe tell people where they can find your stuff, like your podcast links and all that stuff. Where yeah. can everybody start following all your stuff?
1: Yeah, the podcast is on all the big platforms. It's the Self Made Podcast. Um, you can go to theselfmadepodcast dot com and just click directly on the link. Search it on iTunes. It's on Google. We're everywhere else. And uh, for me personally, I'm pretty much an Instagram guy. I'm not huge on Facebook, definitely. I have a Twitter, only so I could secure my handle on there. I don't really... You're Use not it. the only one, know. <laughs> you know, I know
0: people say it's coming back, but I just can't, I can't find enough time. Cause I know it's more conversational. I just can't find enough time to yeah. do it.
1: Exactly. Know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not interested in that. So Instagram, all my social media, Twitter, everything is just at Matt Snipes. Just my name. I yeah. try to keep it simple. Um, and also you're, you're welcome. If you're listening to this and you've got questions or you think I can help you, you're welcome to reach out to me. You know, like if, if I can answer any questions for you or give you any guidance, I'm more than happy to do that. That's what I enjoy doing, so don't hesitate.
0: Great, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been great getting to know you more and look forward to doing it more and yeah, maybe uh venture onto the podcast with you one day. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love yeah. to have you, man. Yeah, well, thanks so much, man. And well, we've really enjoyed today's episode of the podcast. Really appreciate Matt Snipes coming on and uh keep following all the content radical dot company. Uh, and then Radical Company Podcast at iTunes, Anchor, Google, you name it. We're all over the platforms. I hope everyone has a great rest of the day, no matter what day that is when you're listening, and we'll talk soon.